Welcome to the Planet Laundry Podcast. This message is brought to you by Planet Laundry, the magazine of the Coin Laundry Association. In this episode, Brian Wallace, President and CEO of the Coin Laundry Association, interviews Jim Whitmore, owner of Fresh Express Laundry Center in Salem, Massachusetts. In this How's Business segment, Jim and Brian talk about Jim's origin as a laundry owner, the importance of mentorship in the industry, and corporate social responsibility. Jim is a longtime supporter of the Coin Laundry Association and the Laundry Cares Foundation. He has been a multi-store owner, was past chair of the CLA Board of Directors, and continues to advocate for literacy resources in local laundromats as president of the Laundry Cares Foundation. Hello again. This is Brian Wallace from Coin Laundry Association. Uh, Welcome to another episode of How's Business. This is the podcast where I chat with my friends in the industry, and we talk about their entry into the industry, what's important to them, and some key takeaways for you about how to be more successful in the laundromat business. And today, I'm very excited to welcome my good friend, Jim Whitmore. Uh, Good morning, Jim. Good to have you with us. Well, good morning, Brian. It's great to be with you. Terrific. Terrific. Well, over the course of the next little while, I'm going to share some questions and answers with Jim and uh, get you a good sense of what's made him successful in the laundromat business over the past oh, about 40 years or so. And uh, Jim currently is a single store operator uh, from Massachusetts. And so you might be saying, well, what's special about that? Well, I already mentioned the 40 years, but beyond that, uh, Jim has owned as many as 20 plus stores over that span of time, has been a leading volunteer in our industry, including board service with both Coin Laundry Association and the Laundry Cares Foundation, and a lot more uh, great qualifications that you'll hear about along the way of our conversation. So, Jim, I guess the first thing we ought to talk about is the origin story. (laughs) Certainly, we have some folks that are second or even third generation laundromat owners, but uh, most of you have a little bit more of a sort of a crooked path uh, toward landing in the laundromat business. You want to tell, uh, tell us a little bit about what you were doing before and how you found yourself in the exciting laundromat industry. Well, I'll do that. So I, I started, I was in the uh, spec building houses, residential single families in the North Shore of Boston prior to getting into this business. And what I observed was the uh, the cyclical nature of it and the ups and downs. And uh, as we came into the early 80s oil embargo, the real estate business was in kind of a tough shape and I was looking for something to balance out my cash flow. And I looked into and started researching the coin laundry industry because as a coin laundry customer at the time, I knew that at least for me, I was kind of a drumbeat customer and I would be there, you know, every week, week in, week out and inserting my quarters in somebody else's machine. I thought it would be a business I should explore because uh, certainly the spec building of single family homes sometimes was good and sometimes was bad. And I was looking for a kind of baseline cash flow and like that. So that's where I started. Mm-hmm. And so, so Jim, not unlike uh, the phones ringing off the hook here at CLA over the last couple of months, as I think you know, experienced entrepreneurs as well as first timers are looking for something 
to get into as a small business, something that is perceived to be recession resistant and has recently proven to be pandemic resistant. So it's interesting that some of the things that you were observing at that time are also in play today. Exactly. Exactly. So how did you take that interest in as a laundromat customer and in, in wanting to diversify uh, what you're up to and have a little bit more stability? How, how did you leap from that intention or aspiration to business ownership? Well, I started doing some research and I researched a owner in Boston who had an art gallery in laundromat in the Beacon Hill area of Boston. And uh, she was a middle-aged woman who um, was creative and entrepreneurial. And she was finding the business to be a good place to be. And it was really her sole income. But I also researched a probably the largest operator at the time on the North Shore of Boston in my neighborhood, who coincidentally was a family friend. I sat down to lunch with him and his his then vice president, uh, John Hooper and Dick Lutz. Within uh, two hours after lunch, they asked me if I would be interested in coming to work with them. Uh, They were looking for someone to take over when they retired. Ah, I said, this, this, is, this is great. So they liked who I was. I liked what they were doing. That was the beginning of the journey. Well, we, I loved hearing the name John Hooper just now, one of the sort of all-time greats in the business. And, you know, uh, I don't know if I'm making too much of a stretch here, but I, I would certainly perceive John to have been a mentor to you. And I know that mentoring has been certainly one of the hallmarks of what I've observed uh, as we've known each other over the last 25 or 30 years. So am am I making the right connection there between John being a mentor to you and and you trying to pay that forward in the decades to follow? Yes, actually, John Hooper and uh, Dick Lutz were both just amazing mentors. And yeah, they were generous with their knowledge. and, And it really gave me an opportunity to enter the industry at a fairly high level. For the time, you know that that you know that that is part of my nature anyway. Is I you know always want to lift people up and bring them along wherever I can. So when people would uh, come to work for me, I would extend the same sort of uh, generosity. And in the process, I've spawned you know many entrepreneurs and started many careers uh, for people that have ended up well. And no doubt, uh, like my own. Yeah, well. I just, uh, you know, the, the, and we'll, we'll touch on that a bit more as we talk about Coin Laundry Association and Laundry Cares and, and some of the other parts along the way. But as, as you sort of took the reins from John and his vice president, I seem to remember that that was more or less starting with the multiple locations to manage. Does that sound right? Yeah, that's right. So at the time I joined him, uh, he had nine laundries. When they chose to sell out and retire, there were 11 one of which he kept on to into his retirement. Mm-hmm. But I bought the other 10 stores with a partner, and uh, that was uh, about eight years into my relationship with John Hooper and, and Dick Lutz. Mm-hmm. So how would you characterize the, we'll call them the first 10 stores, how would you yeah. characterize those stores and the mode of operation and you can see I'll ask you in a minute to 
contrast that with some of the stores that you put together toward the latter part of your career, but uh, give us a little peek into those, what those 10 stores were like. Well, the 10 stores were all self-service stores. You know, they had the kind of the dominant equipment of the day. You know, they were sort of mid-sized stores. So they were all in the 2,000 to 3,000 square foot range, which was, at the time, it was kind of medium to large. You know, operated on a self-service basis. Uh, John Hooper, much to his credit, liked to keep things simple and straightforward and felt that entering into other other related businesses, such as wash and fold and dry cleaning, were a bit of a distraction at that time, rather than a, a profit center. Mm-hmm. So I think that that was the primary characteristic. But they were, you know, open open format, well windowed, redundant systems, redundant water heating, redundant change making, redundant vending on the uh, soap products and like that. So a lot of good, just basic practices such as that. And, you know, one of the things that was true back, you know, so long ago was the reliability of equipment. It wasn't what it is today. So. Sure, sure. It was a challenge and the redundancy was especially important at that time. Sure. that And that was, I think, uh, part of the reason that that the model, successful model in those days was pretty straightforward, kind of a keep it simple. A simple doesn't mean easy, like you said, with the redundancies and, and having to spend more time and energy on repair, keeping the place clean, and just really meeting those basic expectations of uh, customers at that time. So, you know, fast forwarding a couple of decades, <laughs> yep. um, you know, how would you sort of contrast that with the, I guess, the last couple of stores that you've built or retooled and, and, and you know, uh, kind of give us a little bit of a side-by-side comparison, because I know that uh, certainly the industry evolved quite a bit during that time. And, and I certainly know that your approach to presenting that store to the customer changed and improved over that period of time. Yeah, so many, many things have changed. Yeah, one very obvious was the notion of marketing a laundromat was a foreign concept back 30, 40 years ago. And very few people were doing it. Actually, the woman that I I, uh, researched with in Boston, she was one of the few people that was actively marketing her store. But more than that, the mix of equipment has changed radically. Obviously, the um, moving to larger and larger size washers and uh, same thing in the dryer area. You know, back then it was 15 and, and 20 and 30 pound dryers. And now it's, you know, up to 75 plus. And same thing in the washers. You know, the, the bulk of the store was top load washers with a sprinkling of, you know, good size front loaders in the 30 to 35 pound range. And uh, so we've, we've moved and we've, you know, built stores now with, you know, 100, 100 pound wash, 125 pound washers and high speed equipment, which the machines back then were, you'd be lucky if you're doing 80 to 100 G's. Mm-hmm. And we're doing, we're doing four times that now. So bringing a lot more water out, you know, drying at that time was an essential part of the income mix at a much higher level. 
less so now. Certainly, the wash income dominates. And the other thing is just looking looking in ways that we could distinguish ourselves as as the markets matured. So did the competition. So competition has become increasingly something that someone would need to deal with, including me. Um, and it was always looking for how I can be better and different. And the, the biggest thing was moving to high-speed equipment, but also um, introducing ozone to improve the wash quality and provide that extra level of sanitization of the uh, clothes coming through. So. Those are kind of the, the highlights. Uh, obviously, lighting lighting changed. Um, the HVAC systems, you know, moving to higher efficiency rated equipment, higher SEER rating air conditioning, and um, same thing on the hot water side. So there's been numerous numerous changes, but uh, well, at the same time, yeah, nothing. That leads uh, me. Yeah, that's a that's a great segue into me wanting to ask you about one of your many passions, in this case, uh, sustainability and the importance of retooling these laundromats with the modern equipment to, you know, sort of achieve that win-win, you know, it's uh, reducing uh, the footprint, so to speak, but also making the store uh, considerably more profitable. So maybe you could just talk with us for a few minutes about sustainability generally and how you've tried to live that out in the way that you've operated the laundromat business. Okay, so, you know, I came into this industry with a background uh, which included a, a grandfather who was a avid conservationist and devoted much of his career to maintaining our natural resources in the area of Massachusetts and north of Boston. And so there was some learning there for me, but also, as a child of the 60s and 70s, you know, I was an activist for the environment. And I, you know, I, at the time, things such as you know, dirty water and smog and air pollution in the cities and rivers you couldn't swim in or harbors you couldn't swim in and nuclear energy and all those things of the time informed me going forward. And certainly always being efficient and and conserving natural resources is a good thing because that's where profitability lives for our industry. We are great consumers of uh, water, electricity, and gas. In doing so, you know we have a responsibility, but an opportunity in good stewardship. So all my efforts throughout time one was to be conservative with our resources, which was profitable, but also to have the profit of knowing that our environment was being served at the same time, uh, which was a passion of mine. So, you know, as our stores developed, you know, we'd make them most efficient uh, based on what was available at the time, leading up to the, you know, super high efficient washers and dryers and, and equipment that's available today. Uh, not only for washing and drying, but also for heating, lighting, and domestic hot water for our stores. Well, I'm I'm glad that you mentioned that, Jim, because it's it's uh, you know for for someone coming in off the street, uh, they wouldn't connect environmental activism, they wouldn't connect 
a focus on sustainability with the laundromat business. <laughs> but it now is a part of our story, and, and you're certainly helping us tell that story as an industry and you know, putting other organizations like Coin Laundry Association in a position to talk about that, uh, that dual profitability, you know, doing what's right for the environment and also doing what's right for the bottom line. And if we're going to add a third leg to that stool, it would be with doing what's best for the customer. Yeah, I would I would add to that, Brian, that, that there's another level of service to the customer, which is, you know, if we are being good stewards and we're protecting the environment which our customers live in, and that we're expressing a care in much the same way we have during COVID, that it's uh, important to let our customers know that we care about them, the environment they live in, and their safety and well-being. Terrific. And it's such a great uh, example. And due to uh, Jim's work, we've got a couple of projects underway here at Coin Laundry Association where we're working to sort of document and case study those benefits beyond the overwhelming anecdotal (laughs) evidence that we've all seen here in recent years with stores operating at previously unheard of uh, expense ratios for utilities when it comes to either new laundromats or newly equipped uh, laundromats. So, Jim, I want to jump back a little bit into kind of this theme of service and, and giving back and paying forward. You've, you've been a volunteer with Coin Laundry Association and most recently with Laundry Cares throughout almost that entire history that you're laying out for us. So I wonder if you would, could speak to us for a couple of minutes about what sort of brought you into Coin Laundry Association and the New England Coin Laundry Association and why it was important to you to not just be a dues-paying member, but being someone who was volunteering time and talent to help the industry and help the organization go forward. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I entered into the volunteer realm probably about four or five years into my uh, uh, coming into the industry. And my uh, then mentor, John Hooper and Richard Lutz, Dick Lutz, had both served on the New England Coin Laundry Association, the affiliate at the time. They felt that it would be appropriate for me to be part of that mix. So I saw it at that time, I saw it at two levels. One, an opportunity to, to serve and bring the industry up, but at the same time, make sure that our enterprise at the time was on the cutting edge. There's no better place to to find where the cutting edge is than to be involved in a large service area and a place where you're in touch with owners doing all kinds of different things and using the opportunity of networking and sharing between owners to find out what the next next new thing is or a, th- a thing we can tweak or change that would improve our our organization but also at the same time, lift up the industry as a whole. So that's where that's where I began, Brian. And obviously, the, the volunteering continued on well beyond that. You know, it uh, at some point became a focus for me to to take my passion for the industry and and my presence in the industry and try to bring together that with my passion for environmental concerns and to um, see if, if bringing those thoughts 
to the uh, national board would be um, a place where I could have impact and make a difference on a more greater scale. That has certainly been the case, and I've had the the pleasure of partnering with you on on a number of those projects and and help some of this new thinking get into what can be sort of an old guard uh, approach to the industry. But again, I think we we both observe uh, people who may uh, frankly have none of that sort of environmental or sustainability passion be avid in embracing the new technology in the industry purely for uh, the increased profitability. And I guess that's okay too, a matter of how how those things you know come together. And you know, to your point about service on the on the volunteer level with with uh, CLA, one of the more common refrains that I've heard from you know the dozens, if not hundreds, of great volunteers I've had a chance to work with is you know as I rightfully am thanking them profusely for their time and talent and energy as a volunteer. What I often hear is that you know that was uh, some of the best uh, times that they spent in their career that, that uh, during volunteer service that they learned so much as as a result of that volunteer service and so I just continue to hear that essentially I got a lot more out of this than I put into it by serving as a volunteer and that always makes us feel good and you know gets us excited about the new volunteers that are coming in bringing their perspectives and their talents to make sure that we again, not only guide the organization in the right direction, but uh, that we're guiding the industry in the right direction. Well, yeah, and, you know, I, as you're mentioning it, I, I'm realizing that at some level we're building leaders who will shepherd the entire industry in a particular direction. So the work we do today as volunteers on the board and and how we develop as leaders will shape will shape our industry for decades forward. So it's an important service, but it is. It's as much a gift and a privilege as it is hard work and not purely altruistic, but certainly it's it's a gift in both directions. You know, it's a a Mm win-win. Certainly, uh, you know, well said. And again, I've certainly benefited from from that as well. And, you know, this is probably a good time to spend a few minutes talking about another passion that we share, which would be our Laundry Cares Foundation, which for those of you who aren't aware, we created a, a nonprofit foundation to sort of complement Coin Laundry Association with a mission of giving back to the communities that support our businesses and understanding that we're often operating in under-resourced neighborhoods and that we have an opportunity and Jim and I might argue an obligation to try to pay that back, pay that forward, and try to take care of the communities that are taking care uh, of us. And so, you know, Jim, you might remember some of those early conversations that we had about, you know, what ought to be that mission for Laundry Cares. And it's been about five years ago now that we sort of found this opportunity to use our laundromat locations or neighborhood locations as a a channel, a conduit for delivering assistance when it comes to early childhood development and, and literacy. So uh, maybe you could talk to us a little bit about why the notion of laundry cares uh, had such resonance with you and what you've seen as the the value of the work that we're up to. 
Yeah, so uh, at many levels here, Brian. So once again, it's it's not unlike the conservation and uh, good stewardship piece. But this this is about community, and we operate in these communities, which, uh, as we learn, are grossly underserved in many ways, and that there really are stores being in the heart of these communities have found themselves to be a place where we can reach families and children that need to be served because of the long dwell time in a laundry. It's with that knowledge and with the expertise of our partners, the Clinton Foundation's Too Small to Fail initiative, that we've been able to have an impact in communities in ways that we never even dreamed of. That a trend, effectively, we've transformed what it means to be in the coin laundry industry in a community or a neighborhood into something that actually not just provides the essential service of clean laundry, but really capitalize on the fact that we're there and we're in the neighborhood and we have the resource, the time to have an impact on families that would otherwise maybe not have that opportunity. So as we've learned that uh, in what is known as book deserts in these neighborhoods, it's not uncommon for there to be a fractional amount of available books compared to a more affluent neighborhood. That the notion of bringing literacy and reading and books and resources into a neighborhood is a really, you know, is it's not a difficult undertaking. It's just a matter of availing ourselves of the opportunity to make a difference, to give back to the communities that have uh, so for so many years sustained us as an industry. But I think more important is that it, it really empowers the owners who do this work, to who use their laundries for more than just a financial resource, that it gives a depth and meaning to the work that they do too mm-hmm. and empowers mm-hmm. them to not only be uh, the best operators possible, but to be to be good citizens. Well, you're right, Jim. It, it sort of has flipped this perception of the neighborhood laundromat on its head uh, in a lot mm-hmm. of cases. And, and, you know, the industry has improved and been a, been a better, quote unquote, citizen in recent years before the laundry cares work. But uh, this uh, laundry cares work has you know, changed either sort of neutral or negative perceptions of the laundromat to positive ones. And, you know, maybe this is a chance to kind of revisit one of the themes here, which is this kind of dual profit, <laughs> uh, doing, yeah. you know, doing, doing well by doing good. And, and maybe you can give me, Jim, a couple of examples of having the library space and the books in your uh, remaining laundromat. Uh, maybe give us a couple of examples or a vignette or two on Kind of what is what that has mean maybe both in terms of the community impact but also what it might be doing to make business better for you you know that, i think i think that is true so first off you know we we set up a replay learn center in our laundry which consists of um, a stocked bookshelf with a with a curated set of books which is refreshed regularly a table and some chairs that are scaled to children. 
And in doing that, we've, we've done two things. We've created a space for the children to read and engage with books while their parents are folding laundry. But we've also sent a message to our customers that we care about you. We care about your children. And that's different. And so we've, we've taken, so that, that, that's kind of the first step in. And then we've taken that in the model of free laundry days, which is another signature piece of the Laundry Cares Foundation, and doing free laundry on a regular basis for those in the neighborhood and area that can't necessarily afford it. You know, mm-hmm. It's horrible to think that someone couldn't even afford to wash their clothes. But it's it's a fact of life in uh, these you know urban areas. Despite the fact that we're giving away you know hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of laundry on a regular basis, very intentionally, we're doing more business. And even during these COVID times, when one would expect that business might be down or things you know people things would have changed, our business is up because we continue to promote programs which uh, continue to serve and reach into the community at a level that is beyond just taking care of their wash needs. So I'll talk a little bit more about that, which is so we committed uh, a little over half a year ago to provide a set amount of free laundry for 50 families to do $50 worth of wash uh, every month through the auspices of a local church and the their Laundry Love initiative. In doing that, we not only use that to give free wash, but we also use that to feed literacy um, and books, math-related programming out to the children who couldn't go to school or were doing uh, indirect learning and like that, but we felt it was key at this time to try to help take care of some of our neighborhood's basic needs, which obviously is clean clothes, you know, in, in that respect to to for them to be sanitary and clean and, and healthy. Very powerful program, which has uh, really sent a strong message once again that we care. And to that end, we are doing more business than we did before the beginning of COVID. And and we're giving a substantial amount of business away every month. Well, it's it's the it's the classic definition definition of doing well by doing good. And as you and I have both experienced, you know, it feels good. <laughs> it's fun. You alluded to earlier, kind of giving a higher sense of purpose to you know our experience as as professionals as business owners. I've seen an, an enormous sort of expression of pride that comes from laundromat owners that are making this expression of care uh, to their customers. And so I I do see it as a revolutionary aspect to uh, this, now we're kind of this 40-year look that we've been taking here in the last 40 or so minutes. And, you know, what a, you know, we've, you know, all the changes that we've talked about from those first couple of stores and in the guidance from, from John and Dick to, laundromats today where that uh, library space in the corner is now part of that basic equipment. So it's uh, been a lot of fun to work on and we're just getting started. And I hope all of you listening uh, go to laundrycares.org and learn how you can be part of this process and 
Probably the easiest way to begin that is to join our Laundry Cares network, which is free and simply a matter of logging in your store locations and raising your hand and saying that I'm a community-friendly laundromat and literally be put on a map where as we have opportunities to give back, we can identify you by geography as someone who might be in a great position to help. And so uh, even from a marketing perspective, it certainly is nice to be able to talk about our stores care and our stores are part of the Laundry Cares Network. And when you go to the site, folks, you'll see lots of other ways that that you can uh, contribute. But it's really been as significant a transformation as we've seen with efficiency of equipment and uh, larger capacities and the professionalization that's happened in our industry over this period of time. Well, Jim, we're getting uh, close to the end of our time here, and I could go on and on with you, but I'm wondering if we can kind of end uh, the conversation with you. You come up with a couple of uh, pieces of advice. Uh, I, I mentioned a moment ago that I'm, I'm talking to prospective or aspirational laundromat owners each and every day here at the association, and they're asking all kinds of great questions and, and trying to get a handle on things. Uh, uh, looking back, what, you know, what are a, a couple of key pieces of advice you might share with that person who's just this week said, you know what, <laughs> I want to be a laundromat owner and I want to get started. Any nuggets of wisdom you can leave our newbies with? Absolutely. So, you know, I just anecdotally, I, there was a, a gentleman who came into my, my laundry saying that he had uh, recently bought a piece of property in a very depressed urban setting uh, quite a bit north of me and asked if I could guide him. And I said, absolutely. Mm. And what I've, what I've offered to him is that, one, you want to get all the way in. You know, you don't, don't get, don't go, don't go part way. So, in other words, if you're going to do it, have it be an expression of, of caring for the community. Have it be an expression of, of the, the best possible practices in the industry. So using the best, most efficient um, the machines that will take care of your customers' needs in the most efficient and thorough way. Follow every step of uh, guidance that's available through the Coin Laundry Association. There's volumes and volumes of, of material, videos, reading material that will guide you to be the best possible operator in your area. The other thing is to stay current. It's very easy to, once you get it up and running, to let things just go on to cruise control. I think it's it's essential that you keep and maintain the cutting edge, and that includes constantly looking for how you differentiate yourself from your competition. Look and see for things that make your customers' experience better. You know, just look for opportunities to serve in ways that might not be mainstream, but will make a difference for your community for the people working in your facility, all involved. So I think that's it, Brian. You know? Yeah, well, it's a tremendous advice and I think a good point to, to wrap up our conversation. I, I can't thank you enough for spending some time with us and sharing your experience. It's certainly been a delight to talk to you. It's a delight to have you as a uh, 
good friend and co-conspirator as we work on these projects to try to push the industry forward. So thanks again for your time, Jim. And for all of you listening, thank you for uh, being with us. And we'll see you next time on the How's Business podcast. Thanks very much. Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. Be sure to subscribe to Planet Laundry at www.planetlaundry.com slash subscribe and follow us on social media at Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube.